1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. We're going to have a moment together. We're going to celebrate 25 years of Children's Nutrition Program of Haiti. Patricia Watlington's here. Dr. Anani Prosper's here. Uh, I gave him a demotion last time. My apologies for that. So, Dr. Anani, <laughs> great to have you here with us. And we're talking about Haiti. So, so Patricia, let's start with you. So, tell us what's happening currently in Haiti and uh, just give us an update. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having us again. Well, what's happening in Haiti is not a pretty picture, unfortunately. And uh, Dr. Nani, who can address this better than I can, uh, generally is in country in Haiti working there daily. But he's been managing the team from long distance for quite some time. Um, so I think I'll turn it over to him to tell you a little, little bit about what's happening there. Okay, uh, Dr. Nani Prosper, now, uh, just if you would just give us an update, tell us what's happening. Yes, um, currently... In Haiti, we have a political turmoil. Okay. Because February 7, it is a symbolic day when in 1986, Haiti was leading the waves of countries that was getting rid of their dictatorship. Okay. Haiti, Nicaragua, Philippines. So it was a huge international movement. Um, we took the lead, but unfortunately right now, um, we're having some internal problem. Mm-hmm. So... On the legal aspect, the government have no legitimacy okay. because the political mandate they had officially end up the past um, February 7. Okay. And now we have other group, um, either paramilitary group, either other political interest that is trying now to take control of power. Okay. The second big problem, we won on a kind of monopoly and control of the economy by a few group of people. Okay. It is a fact in Haiti. Okay. And the last president was trying to open the market so everyone can bid for the public market for oil, okay. for fuel, for electricity. And he get killed. He was assassinated because two of years that. ago. Two okay. years ago. And so now we move from a fight at political level, which is acceptable, to have gangs fighting on the street. Mm. A key thing for the listener of Moody Radio to understand, the gang are an extension of a political fight. Okay. So it's not like you go on a place you are trying to put secu- public security in place. When you try to do that, you are touching a lot of interest. Okay. So you have to understand that concept. And this is what is happening currently in Haiti and affect the program, the life 
of the people and the children we are trying to support in okay. Haiti. Okay, so there is turmoil in Haiti. It seems like there has always been turmoil in Haiti. This it just seems like it's it's churning around in a little bit of a different way right now with the political turmoil, the 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 legal aspect, the the uh, the factions, the the gangs that are creating mm-hmm. more and more disturbances as we're yes. dealing with it, yes. making it more and more difficult for you to reach the children you so desperately want to reach. And and how is that effort going in the midst of this turmoil? Well, what you say is so true, Tom, because the sad reality is that the children are the most vulnerable population there. And our focus is on children five years old and under. Okay. And so trying to reach these kids who are severely and acutely malnourished is a heck of a challenge. Mm -hmm. I was telling you earlier, some of the things that we have to do or our team on the ground has to do to reach them and to treat them uh, would make an incredible plot for an an incredible movie. The sad reality is that that's what life is like for them right now. However, on a good note, a very positive note, we have a team of Haitian people that have been with us, many of them for 25 years, and they will risk their own lives to reach these young children. And so 100% of our programs are operating as I speak to you today, which truly is nothing short of a miracle. Patricia Watlington and Dr. Anani Prosper with the Children's Nutrition Program of Haiti. And uh, Dr. Prosper, let's start with you. Uh, Just the landscape has changed over the last couple of years in Haiti, even though difficulties are rising. But but it's affecting the number of people that you are able to work with. Tell us about that a little bit. Yes, thank you. Um, When we're looking at a child or a pregnant woman that's of... uh, Acute malnutrition, mm-hmm. it is a medical emergency. It's like I was in a car accident or I received a bullet by accident. It is the same emergency that you have to take care of. So this means we have to go forward and go to the community to catch the child and the pregnant woman before they become sick at that level. Okay. Because of this landscape and challenge and security concern, we have difficulty to do the home visit and the screening as we would like to. Okay. In the past, we were about example to screen like 20,000 households. Now it is with a lot of difficulty to do 12,000 or 13,000. So it okay. is negatively impact. But in the other hand, what does that mean? We are still open. Mm. We are open because we work hand in hand with the community and they understand what we are doing and they want keep the organization open, and they help us to have this mm-hmm. ambulatory care. It is really a true partnership between us and the community. They are our first line of defense. Mm-hmm. Now, the other aspect, because we cannot catch the child and a mother so early, okay. we have more people that we have to provide services. Example, we used to have at any point between 100 and 110 children in the program. Now we are practically 300. Wow. 
Okay, so if I could just um, go through those statistics that you just shared with me um, a couple of years ago, you had the ability to reach out to over 20,000 people. That number is down to like 60% of what it used to be, down to about 12,000 that you can actually reach. But the number of children that you are working with is now three times the amount of what you were dealing with before. Yeah, that's the advantage of preventive care. Okay. Before this kind of tumor, we were able to put more focus and energy on the preventive care that the successful aspect of public health. Get the people and get them earlier mm-hmm. so there's no complications. Now we cannot do that. We find the children at, at a later stage of the disease, more complications, more heavy, and the numbers are going up. Oh. So our expense are bigger and there's more suffering for those children one year, two years old. So our hope is to continue to work with the community and to increase our preventive care. Okay. So we have not so big 300 at any point, right. but to get them below 100. Okay. And every year, what it means, if we are not open without the support of Moody Radio, the listener of Moody Radio, the community here in East Tennessee, Every year, if we treat, example, 4,000 children and women without CNP, they have no other place to go. Mm. And except God willing, they might end up in the cemetery. Okay. Wow. It is sad. So that's why we're trying to stay open and to make sure we can take care of our borders. And sisters. Sure. I, I love that. Dr. Anani, thank you so much for just sharing a picture of what it is uh, these children and uh, these young moms are up against. And Patricia, if I could um, come to you again and uh, just have you kind of wrap things up because you have something. It's got the most interesting name, but it is having such amazing results. Tell me a little bit about Plumpy Nut. Yes, and if I may, Tom, let me just share something uh, that your viewers might remember. I remember about six or seven years ago, I was at a board meeting. I was just getting started, and uh, some of your audience may remember Mr. Jim Hudson. Mm. Jim passed away last year, but I remember in this board meeting, everyone was passed a little piece of paper, and they were going to make a decision, these board members, either to shut it down or to keep going because things were so difficult in Haiti. And I remember the little pieces of papers were passed around, and Jim, who was a very quiet man, but when he spoke, it was usually profound okay. when people listened. He said, but wait, we can't shut anything down. What will happen to our babies over there? Mm. So I just wanted to share that thought. Thank that, you. you know, it's a plumpy nut is a therapeutic, ready-to-use food that we use for a child that's tremendously emaciated and in the spiral down with malnutrition. And so if, we, if you can imagine a child uh, that is anywhere from six months old to maybe three years old, four years old. And they're so severely malnourished that they can't eat regular food. Mm. Their bodies are rejecting it, basically. Can't process it. They can't process it. So therefore, plumpy nut, which tastes like peanut butter, tastes wonderful. It's wonderful. Uh, We put them on a regime of plumpy nut for the first month only. Mm -hmm. And then our monitrices, who are caregivers, we train, they're Haitian uh, caregivers, they train the 
the caregiver as to what food to give that child the second month, half food, mm. half plumpy nut, then the third month it's uh, all food. But if you could imagine the difference between that child, it's incredible. And what I said to you earlier is Dr. Nani was sharing with me last week, and he was very clever to not tell me this until it a- after the fact, <laughs> after it happened, because it was so dangerous in Haiti. Mm. We had plumpy nut in Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, and we needed to get it to Leogon, which is only about 20 miles away. Well, what I learned from Dr. Nani is it took three weeks to get this plumpy nut to Leogon because of the roadblocks. Mm. And so they figured out what they could do is hire a boat because there were roadblocks. So they hired a boat to put the plumpy nut on the boat in the middle of the night so no one would see them. And as Dr. Nani said, that day the gangs were in charge of the sea. So the boat turned around. They tried the next day with another boat. Anyway, three weeks later... 286 boxes of Plumpy Nut arrived in Leogon safely. Mm. That was, again, nothing short of a miracle. And then our monitresses had to distribute them to the children who desperately needed it. Um, wow. So th- that's the extent of the efforts that go sure. into this, just to treat a child and save a child's life and give a child a chance uh, at life and a chance at hope.